0: Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway. And I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. welcome everyone to Pathway Church on this awesome weekend. And the week after Easter, I'm like flying high. How many of you are kind of still flying high from Easter? Like nobody. What's the deal? What's the deal? Like it was so great last weekend. Now a few people are feeling guilty. They're raising their hands wherever you're at. But it was great to be together. And we also know today that there's many of you, last week was your first week, we had so many first-time guests because people are walking with people and bringing their friends. And so we're glad you're back with us this week as we're kicking off a brand new series called Relationship Goals. Now in this series, what we're acknowledging is a lot of times relationships just kind of happen to us, right? And sometimes they happen to us and it goes bad. And so we're saying that God has goals, for our relationships, He does. And we're gonna look at all different kinds of relationships. Really, what we're gonna look at is the general principles that God gives us on how to have healthy, thriving relationships. And today, we're gonna to start with the idea of having values driven relationships. Now, as we talk about relationships, I think for all of us, we could acknowledge that we've had some relationship disasters and failures. Now you can't really go past that because that's what we feel. Relationships touch every area of our lives. And so for us, we have the most failures and probably some of the greatest regrets of your life are in your relationships. I know that's how it's true for me. I was thinking this past week back on a relationship I had with a very close friend in college, and in this relationship, like, we, we were close, and then all of a sudden, he said something that was really fabricated. It was a lie about me, and it was deeply hurtful, and I multiplied the hurt by responding with extreme harshness and anger. I mean, I went off, and it destroyed that relationship. Now, when you think about those relationship regrets, the things you wish you wouldn't have said, the relationships really that are distant now, that you wish were close, or the relationships that have dissolved, like that's not God's plan. But it happens to all of us. And you know, the reason I think it happens to all of us, whether it was a divorce that you went through, or it's a strained relationship with your parents strained relationship with your kids. It's that personal work you see every day and you're just like, there's a distance there and there used to be closeness there. It's a friend at school, whatever it might be, there's something that happened. And it really comes down to these values. There's these unspoken things that we all have in our life that are values that we believe that should be in a relationship. And then when they get severed or broken, chaos erupts. Sometimes you did it. Sometimes they did it. Most of the time, we all did it. That's what happens. And it's what happens when we just allow relationships to happen in our lives and we're not intentional. Now, for all of us, the good news is we start talking about these values, is that in a divided country that is more divided than ever before, a divided world that is at war right now, right? We see that. We see all the division. We have unity. We have unity about what we want to have in relationships. I looked at relationship studies from all over the world this week, and there were values that were common everywhere. We all agree. I could have shown you like 20 different values, but I picked just four common relationship values that everybody deeply wants. I think we'll have agreement here as well. So these common relationship values that were most common were these. We all wanna have the value of forgiveness in our relationships because we all know we're gonna screw up. We all have that acknowledgement. We all screw up, so we need the other person to be willing to forgive. We all want kindness in our relationships, we all do. Maybe there's one person at one of our locations that's like, I don't want kindness, I want a mean person so that I have somebody to fight with, but that's not what most of us want. Most of us don't want that. We do want kindness, no matter how tough you are. We also want loyalty because we've all had the experience where people have quit. When the going got tough, they quit. And so we need people who are loyal, who are honest with us, who will have our backs, not just when we're with them, but when they're with other people. And then we all want to experience joy, because how many of you have had a relationship that sucked the life out of you, right? Sucked the life and the soul out of you. We all want to experience joy. And so how many of you, that list that I just showed you, how many of it, all of our locations, you would agree that you want those four things in your relationships? I mean, there's a few of you, you want mean people or something. I don't, I don't know. Some of you are raising, you just didn't want to raise your hand, I guess. I don't know. But we all want the same thing. And isn't that strange? Doesn't that make you wonder why in the world do we want the same thing? It's almost like we were created by the same God, right? It's like deep inside of us, there's this hardwiring, And so I think everybody needs to at least be open and ask the question is, what is the source for a values-driven relationship? You see, God hardwired us that we just have these values that when they're violated, we're like, that's wrong. Why is it wrong? It's because they come from a common source. The source is right here. You see, the scriptures that God gave us, God's word, are filled with relationship values. You know, the the Bible is so much more than just the story of God and even the path to salvation. We can't stop there. It really is... The scriptures show us how to live a life and to have relationships with God and with each other. You know, when you think about these values and you think about the values that are in here that really all of us agree, no matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus, maybe you don't believe in Jesus, you believe in these values too. Because those four values I showed you, where do you think they come from? They didn't just come out of the air they actually came from here. But in all of our relationships, so this, this is my family. Aren't they beautiful? They just are. But these are my closest relationships. But really in this area, there are a lot of different relationships. It's all the people that I have relationships with. And there's a gap between the values that are in here and my relationships. Do you all feel that gap? It's when we violate those, we all do it. There's a gap. And these values, if they were in our relationships, like our relationships would be different. Nobody's perfect, but it's like we all need more of these values driving our relationships. Now, in the Elliott family, two years ago, This gap was the Grand Canyon. Now, your families have all went through this challenge. It's like everybody was at each other's throats. Everybody was fighting. And when it was time to go home from work, I was like, could I go to somebody else's house? Have you been there before? Where it's like this gap, like we're not living these values at all. And so my wife, Jenny, and I, we're like, we got to do something. And so we're like, what would Jesus do? And the only thing we could come up with was like, we need to have a family Bible study at night. A family Bible study, 15 minutes. Because what we need is we need the values to get in these thick heads somehow. Like, it's like they don't even know. They don't know about forgiveness, forgiving one another, loyalty, kindness. We were kindness was nowhere to be found, and joy, there was no joy. So we're like, how do we get that in there? Bible study. So we told our children, and if you've ever told your children this, like the older ones will do this, oh my gosh, you know. So we knew it was going to be challenging. So we called the kids together, and our two little ones They kicked the Bible study off by getting in a fist fight, fighting over who's going to sit on the couch next to me. So then the big ones kind of jump in and they start picking at each other. And I finally just say in my loudest voice, shut up. I'm going to read the Bible. This is not a joke you could ask my children. I didn't make that up. Shut up, we're going to read the Bible. Might be a little challenging getting these values into here. So then I read the scripture that we're actually going to read about loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And I get to the end and I ask some questions. And the little ones say something like Jesus, and the big ones go, you can't just say Jesus to everything. And then they start fighting again, and I finally just say, let's close our eyes and pray and ask God for forgiveness for how we have disgraced this sacred time. (laughs) I mean, I was mad. I look over at my wife, and I mean, Later on, we're cry- she's crying in the kitchen. Like, we are such failures as parents. We're not going to get these values over here. We can't even do a Bible study. How many of you have tried to sit down with your kids and do that? If you can pull that off, it's good. If you can pull that off, you should teach a class because it's just an utter disaster in our house. And we do have kids, you know, 10 years apart. So it, it was challenging. But the thing is, it's like, I think we had really good intentions. And I'm not saying you shouldn't try the family Bible study. But there's some good news and there's some bad news today. Is what we're going to learn from is Moses and the instructions that he gave the nation of Israel. About how do you get these values, these commands into these relationships. So that these values drive the relationship. The good news is, is you don't have to worry as much about the family Bible study. The bad news is, it actually might take more. And so I want to challenge you right now just to lean in and to be open to what God wants inside of these relationships. It's not just our family. It's your friends. It's everyone that you're going to see. So I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles, open up your Pathway Church up to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you can also follow along on the screens. We're going to look at Moses' instructions. Now the book of Deuteronomy is kind of unique because what Deuteronomy means is second law, but it's really not the second law. It's the first law given a second time because what had happened in the nation of Israel is is the first generation that Moses led. They didn't make it to the promised land because they didn't follow the commandments. They didn't look to God and do what he said. So they wandered in the wilderness and died. But this second generation that Moses has the opportunity to speak truth into, he wants the best for them. He wants these values to be in their relationships. He wants them to have a great relationship with God. He wants them to have relationships with each other so that when they go into the promised land that they and God will be on the same page because the first generation they were not. And so as we read these scriptures together, this is the heart of Moses. This is the heart of all of us for all of our relationships. And so in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, it starts here, and I want you to remember the first word because normally we move past it, but the first word is really important, okay? Okay. I'll come back to it. So Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now this section of Scripture is very special to the Jewish people because it's known as the Shema and it gets that word, gets the Shema word. Shema means here. Now, It doesn't just mean here, even though we just read the word here. I know that's a little confusing. But when a Jew hears the word Shema, they hear, hear and obey. So he's actually saying, hear and obey, O Israel. Not just hear. Not just get this in your head. He's saying hear and obey. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because a few months ago we did a series called Chasing Purpose where we actually looked at Jesus where he read the Shema. So this isn't just an Old Testament thing. This is a New Testament thing. Jesus prayed the Shema. And so it's hear and obey, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all you have. Now it's not just the head, is it? We're already starting to see that. So then Moses goes on And he gives some of the greatest instruction that was ever given about really what it looks like of getting these values into our relationships. He says this in verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There was no Bible study in there. Did you notice that? Not saying it could be a part of that, but it's not the whole thing, is it? Like what Moses is saying here is so powerful and it's so challenging. He's saying that to get these values into our relationships, it has to happen as we sit together. Family meals, who does that anymore? Hey, we go through drive-thrus and eat in the car and are on our phones. That's, that's what we do, probably, most of the time. It's disturbing. And then he says, as you walk along the road, as you're out there doing life and you're with people in your workplace that you're sharing these values with people through your life. He says it should be so evident to people. These values should be so seen because Shema, because you've heard and you've obeyed that they see them in the work of your hands. They're written on your hands. And then when they drive by your house, they're gonna think about, man, that's the house that when my mom was sick, they brought us meals. It's written on your house. Those commands are such a part of you that the world sees it. It's powerful. Now, if you literally want to write these commands in your house, my wife does that as well, but I don't really think that's what he's talking about. You can write them. He's talking about Shema. He's talking about hear and obey. Now, when you look at these words of Moses and you think about the Elliott family approach, of getting it into their heads, and it was a disaster. You think about that goal. His goal's different. He's aiming at something different, and it's not the head. It's not the head. And if you're a shooter, if you like to shoot like we do in our family, if you like to go to a range, you're like, your aim is important, isn't it? And so most of us are aiming at the head trying to get these values in here. But Moses says this, shoot for the heart. Shoot for the heart. He says, shoot for the heart, not the head. Now, for some of us, how do you do that? But he said it very clearly when he said, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your what? Say it louder. You all can read. Hearts, right? No, but we, we're going to try that one more time. What are they on? Hearts. There we go. You see, it's like that is a hard thing for us. As I, I think the reason nobody wants to say it, it's like, how do you even do that, right? But you see, it's not just Moses that believed this. It was also Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He gave these commands to his son. He said this to his son. He said, "My son." do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. You see, he's talking about the heart also. Jesus talked about the heart. And so when you think about this, we have to ask, what do they mean by this? Because the heart is either this thing that pumps blood in our chest Or for most of us, people say this, somebody said this to me this week, they say, you know, I'm not going to do that because I don't feel it in my heart. It's like an emotion or a feeling. But you see, Moses and Jesus believe something completely different about the heart, just like Solomon. You see, for them, when they say heart, they mean this. You see, they believed the heart that is mentioned in the scriptures is a person's center for both physical and emotional, intellectual, and moral activities. Do you see Shema in there? Hear and obey? And it's all of it. So it is your emotions. It is your head. It is your behavior. It's the center of who you are. It's all these things combined. And so he says you have to aim for the whole thing, the heart. Now, this is challenging because a 15-minute Bible study, although is part of that, it's not the whole thing, is it? You really can't aim for the heart and just do that. And I think that's a little disappointing because we're people of efficiency. And if I can get it done, targeted in 15 minutes, I'd rather take care of it that way. But that's not what Moses says works. He goes on and he makes this point that is even harder to understand. Is he says, shared relationships share values. Now you can read this a couple different ways. Shared relationships that I have with them, right? I have the opportunity to share values. That's like a teacher teaching me a lesson. So that is true. But that's not what really Moses is saying completely. We always think it's about teaching people something. But have you ever noticed, you've probably heard this before, the people that you hang out with the most, you even start looking like them. That's actually true. Who you hang out with, you share values. And so you begin to conform and be like them. That's what Moses is saying. Is What he says to the nation of Israel when he said this is he's like, it's about your time together and how you spend it remember he said in verse 7 he said talk about them when you sit these commands these values when you sit at home and when you walk along a road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on your door frames and on your houses and on your gates there are so many different things in there sitting down standing up hanging out like, that's what he's talking about. It's your entire life, all your time. It's everything. Because shared relationships share values. I have to think that's part of our problem. Is It's like we're always struggling with why does this not get over here? Do you think in our culture, in our world, and in our families we are violating more values than ever. Why is that? It's because we don't do what Moses is saying. Now, Moses didn't just believe that shared relationships share values. There was someone that did this even better than Moses. Someone that knew this, and that was Jesus himself now jesus lived very differently he lived very differently than you and i he had relationships that were very different than you and i you see when jesus called his disciples his family his relationships what did he do is he spent three years living with them so it truly was when they sat down and they had a meal When they walked along the road, when they did anything, they were together. He gave himself to them. You see, that's weird talk, right? Who does that? But that's what Moses is saying, and that's what Jesus demonstrated. And then the crazy thing is, is he has like conversations with these guys, he doesn't just do like lectures for them. He asks them questions. He does all sorts of things. You even think about his miracles. The feeding of the 5,000. Some of you might be familiar with that. Jesus did a miracle. Took a little, a loaves and fishes and made it so it could feed 5,000 people. He didn't just stand on a stage. And he didn't just multiply it and do it. The first thing he says when his disciples come to him and ask who's going to feed these people, Jesus goes, you are. He includes them in the miracle. And then after Jesus does the miracle, they hand out the food, not him. And then they clean up the extras, the mess. And then they ask him questions I'd have to think that night around a campfire. They had conversation about it. You know, one of my favorite examples is when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So think about what value he might have been trying to communicate to them when he did that. He was trying to take a value and put it in the middle of their relationships with one another. He could have just said, gather around. You're supposed to be servants to one another and serve each other. But you see, Jesus believed in Shema. That it's not just about hearing, it's about application and doing. And so he put a towel on his arm. He got a basin of water and got on his knees. And the Son of God washed their feet. One of the disciples, Peter, he asked him, he's like, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And then Jesus responds and said, I must. And they have like a conversation. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is living life with them. It's just what Moses said, when you sit down together, these commands should be in your life, these values. When you're along the road walking together, they should be a part of the conversation. We're having conversations about the God we love and serve and the values that we learn in here and we get in here, they gotta be in the heart and in our actions. It's Shema, hear and obey. So I believe Jesus gives us a formula for what this can look like in our lives. Now, don't get nervous if you hate math. There's no numbers in this formula, okay? So just relax. But Jesus starts with, in his formula, for how we have values-driven relationships with intention. Remember I talked about how most of us, we just let relationships happen to us. And then they really happen to us. Jesus didn't do that. He called his disciples, and he had a plan And his plan was, I'm going to pour my life into them. I'm going to live with them. I'm going to have conversation with them. I have space in my life for my family because they're the most important thing. These disciples were his focus. No matter whatever ministry he did, he poured everything he had into them. And as I say that, and you think about your family and your relationships, my guess is on your priority list, there's a whole bunch of things above them, just like mine. So if you take intention, time, energy, and then you add application, like Jesus did, intention plus application, just like he did as he kneeled down and he applied the value in his own life so they could see it and experience and he served them you see when you take intention and you put application in there people see and experience the kingdom of god because it's not words on a page it's lives that are lived for jesus that's what god wants in the middle of all of this so you take intention plus application plus conversation now, this is a hard one for us because we have devices in our lives now that have told us there is a false version of complication. It's not Snapchat or, as uh, some older people told me earlier, Snapface, whatever that might be. I don't know, Facebook, all of this stuff, texting, instant messaging, all of these things. Like, that's not conversation, people. That isn't, like that's not conversation. Like it's not a chat room on social media. Nobody's chatting, they're typing. What Jesus does is eyeball to eyeball, person on person, conversation where questions are asked, where real conversations are had and we've taken a lot of that out of our lives. We're not having those here. We want a quick way. We think if it's just information that you get in here, you can email that, you can text information. But it's not that. It's about the spiritual conversation. Jesus believed in the power of the spiritual conversation, and we need to as well. So if you take intention plus application plus conversation, what you get is transformation. You know how I know that's true? It's because Jesus did that for his disciples, and we're here. He gave the mission to these men to start this thing called the church, and the church is here over 2,000 years later. You see, it brought transformation to the world, and so Jesus had a very simple approach, but it's kind of time-consuming. That's the problem for you and I, I think, the number one thing. It's pretty time-consuming, and it takes energy that, honestly, we really want to put somewhere else. But, you know, I think for me, what God has shown me is I actually stumbled into it accidentally. So as I tell you this story to close, I want you to know it really wasn't me being intentional. It accidentally happened. But that's how God works. Sometimes we won't get it, and so he has to show us. So one of the things that my kids and I love to do together is we love to go deer hunting. I'm blessed. They they love my hobby, and it is so great to spend that time with them. And I'll never forget eight-year-old Ethan. That's my son, who's the oldest. He came to me before deer season one year, and he said, Dad, I want to go with you every time. And I thought, this eight year old is not gonna be able to sit there. He's just not gonna be able to do it. And you can see we all look good in camo, right? (laughs) Look at that. that. That's my color. That's all our colors. And so he told me he wanted to go every single time. And so I said, Well, whenever you can go, I'll take you. In one year, I spent 20 hours sitting in a deer blind with him. And I mean, it was amazing. Like it was amazing. For some of you, when you think about 20 hours, that almost scares you. And it shows how far away from that we have gotten. That even an hour in our relationships with people we love, we're kind of like, if we have a friend, I'll meet you for coffee for an hour once a month. That's a friendship? Probably not. But you think about your closest family, that amount of time Would have been terrifying to me if we probably weren't deer hunting together. But you know what happened is that equation came to life. There was intention. There was application. Conversations about who we were going to love and serve. And then there was a lot of conversation. You know, the power of this was, I remember looking at him and asking him, I was like, how's your relationship with God? Are you praying. Like, I don't know where you're at in your faith. And he goes, yeah, dad, I got that covered. Like I pray my relationships with good, but I have a question for you. And I go, wow, this is going to be like how, how his prayer life's going and stuff. And this eight year old looks at me with determination. And he said, you know, in church, they talked about the Trinity. What is that? some of you are like, oh my gosh, what if somebody asked me that question, right? How do you explain the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Is an eight-year-old really thinking that? They are. They really are. But we don't have the time. And we don't have the time for the conversation most of the time. And so I was afraid. I couldn't remember if it was water ice and vapor. You know, some of you have heard that. I didn't know how to have the conversation, really. But you know, I was afraid, but also I sat there for a moment. I was like, thank you, God, for this conversation. Man, how many of those do we miss out on? And so for the next hour, we had this conversation back and forth where I did my best, and I think God must have filled in the blanks for me but it was a blessing that I will never forget. You know, I think that's what God wants for all of our, our relationships, is he wants us to give like Jesus gave. He gave all. You know what, how are our priorities messed up where we can't live that equation with the people that God has put in our lives so that the commands and the values will drive these relationships. You know, Moses knew the secret, Jesus knew the secret, and now we know the secret. But the hard thing is we have to apply Shema, hear and obey. And that means we have to reorganize our lives. So right now, what I wanna do is I wanna pray, and I know we need God to do this. This is gonna take courage. And I also know that right now, when you think of one relationship that you have just with one person that you can begin to leverage in this way this week, I want you to pray and think about that. And I want to ask God to help you with that this week, just like I need his help. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God, for the conversation today, for your scriptures that show us the path to true life, a life of values-driven relationships. God, when we look at our relationships and the regrets, that God, that we know that we didn't live those out in the way that you've called us to. God, we're grateful for the wisdom that Moses gives us. We're grateful for the example that Jesus is to us on how to live. God, forgive us for how we haven't given intention, application, and conversation energy to our relationships like Jesus did. God, right now, I know as we've had this conversation that for me, there is a relationship in my mind that I need to put energy into, that I need to lean on you. I need your Holy Spirit to guide me into how to have that conversation, how to put time into it. And I know my brothers and sisters, who are here and watching this, they feel the same thing. We need your help. And so right now, if that's you and you have that relationship in your mind that you want God's help in this very week, I just want you to raise your hand as a sign to him that you want his help to have those conversations, to to live those values. Awesome, so many hands, so many hands. If you're watching online, type me in the chat. Let's pray together that God would help us. God, I thank you, God, for my brothers and sisters who are stepping into the relationship goals that you have for their lives. God, I pray that this week you would inspire them, that you would give them courage to live differently. And God, we just pray for the healing that you desire to have happen in all of our relationships. God, I pray that your spirit would do the work ahead of us, so that as we live differently, God, we would see transformation. God, I also know today that there's many in this room and many watching this that they have never accepted Jesus for the very first time. I want you to know that these values that we talked about today, you can apply them and not follow Jesus, and they do bring life. But the life that is truly life, And the forgiveness that you truly seek is only found by surrendering, by accepting Jesus to be the leader and the savior of your life. And so right now, if you would like to take that step, I just wanna invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I have fallen short and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I lay those things down and I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and live the life that's truly life that is only found in you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, no matter where you're at, I just want to invite you to declare that decision to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. Raise your hand. No matter where you're at, raise your hand. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God. For those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today, God, I'm grateful that they now have your Holy Spirit who will guide them that they have the forgiveness that Jesus offers them. And God, I'm grateful now that your Holy Spirit can guide them into the relationship goals that you have for them. God, we pray for all of us that we would live differently, that God, we would hear and obey your word, and God, that you would do only what you can do in our lives. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.